It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow underway on this Friday edition across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're streaming us live, if you're uh, on the video end of this, we say thank you. Same to you if you're watching or listening to this great radio partner, Hutton here with Roe with a well-deserved day off. He will be rejoining us on Monday. Can't wait for that. And can't wait for the big events to start here at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. The second annual 6th and P Grand Prix on the hills of the Music City Grand Prix, which takes place here in Nashville over the weekend. They do this event. I love it. All to benefit Best Buddies. Uh, across the, the, the country and best buddies of Tennessee. We'll uh, have the live race, the main race, with some celebrities coming up at 4 o'clock. That's in a couple of hours from right now, 4 Central. Jam-packed show with tons of news to hit. Jim Williams, Forbes columnist, Zinger columnist, and media consultant and insider joins us in 20 minutes with the very latest on conference expansion and how the networks are involved in all of this. Coach Dave McGinnis, former NFL head coach, uh, now turned broadcaster, he will be with us as we will discuss the top NFL news and notes, including the Alvin Kamara suspension and the NFL uh, and Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies this week. He coached against many of the players and coaches going into the Hall of Fame. Tim Brando, Timmy B with us from Fox Sports coming up later. Plus, Albert Hainsworth joins us on site in hour number three. Plenty to get to. Let's do it right now with Scorched Earth, our top headlines on this Friday edition. The top news for you. And we start with Oregon and Washington. It has been a busy 12 hours or so. If you went to bed last night, reports were that the Pac-12 is dead. And they are. We'll get to that in a moment. But around 7.30 local time for me, checking Twitter, and it seems as though Oregon is considering options. Washington considering options, but not necessarily all in with the Big Ten. And it stemmed from the potential media deal that's being offered to them that certainly was not offered to USC and UCLA. They're getting the full grant of rights, the full media contract. It doesn't seem to be the case. And then, uh, what, a couple of hours ago, official, that Oregon and Washington had accepted the invitation to join the Big Ten. No formal announcement yet but the Ducks and Huskies are headed to the Big Ten, and that leaves the Pac-12 in a mess. The news comes from also Colorado leaving for the Big 12. Arizona is certainly uh, on the move as well, it appears. They're all in with the Big 12. They've officially applied to join that conference, and the Big Ten made a move. Tony Petiti made the move, his first big move as conference commissioner uh, of the Big Ten and the power too. And look, th this, this is announced later today according to reports by the Big Ten for Oregon and Washington. They will join in 2024. They join USC and UCLA to make it 18 member schools starting in 2024. This is now five programs, five institutions to depart the Big Ten in the last 13 months. 
and Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are expected to join the Big 12 um, whenever Utah figures out when it wants to make up its mind. Same for Arizona State. More interest in the Big 12 today than they had yesterday or this past week, or so it appears. The Pac-12 made a last-ditch effort with Oregon and Washington in a meeting this morning with conference presidents from all the universities uh, that remain as of this morning. And it was a last-ditch effort considering the money that was involved, trying to, again, stay together. They pitched yet again, George Klyavikov pitched again, the, the Apple TV deal, where more details have surfaced. We know it's a tiered incentive situation for the Pac-12. They could make as much as the Big 12, maybe as much as the ACC, if they had enough subscribers. But that's on the top end level. Baseline, the reports are, it's $20 million or so. That's well below what the Big 10 and SEC are getting. That's well below what the Big 12 is offering member schools, which is upwards of $32 million. So Oregon and Washington, after being in this meeting, informed the school presidents, informed the, the conference they were leaving and accepting the bid to join the Big Ten. Oregon was concerned most about travel costs. And the reason for that is the reports were Tony Petiti and, and the school presidents and chancellors in the Big Ten were not going to give them the full media rights package for automatically joining in 2024. It's about 50%, as low as 50% of what the other institutions will be receiving, the other programs. And that would put them around 30 million or so, if, if the reports are accurate, 30 million per year. That would be right around what they could get in the Pac-12. So I understand the concern. They, Oregon was saying, oh, we could, we could spend as much as potentially $10 million per season on travel in the Big Ten. Well. Then they heard the Pac-12's final plea, and then knowing the baseline is 20 million, and knowing that the Big Ten, it seems as though, was willing to at least have some TV partnership uh, cover some of the expenses for travel for Oregon and Washington, they're making the move. Um, it, to me, the, the travel and all of that works itself out. Oregon and Washington are absolutely making the right call. Arizona State and Utah will do the same with the Big 12 because Arizona is waiting on those two. The Big 12 wants to wait and announce all three instead of announcing one by one and having an odd number of schools. The Pac-12, the back and forth of potential live support, are they alive or dead, what's next? If you end up with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah leaving, there are then four schools left that are still active members of the Pac-12. Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State. Do they merge with the Mountain West? Do they go independent? It's one of the two, because the Pac-12, they're done. They're, they're dead. And it's not George Klyavikov and this TV rights money that ultimately decapitated them. It's not Oregon, it's not Washington, it's not Colorado, it's not USC or UCLA. They all played a part but the biggest issue was their previous conference commissioner and Larry Scott, who had this to say back in 2018 about the future of the conference and his optimism for where we sit right now. The Pac-12, he says, was in a great spot 
in 2018, looking forward to 2024 when their media rights package would be renegotiated. Sports, uh, to see the consolidation happening in the industry where ESPN and Disney are going to have more resources to buy sports rights, that Fox is going to have more resources to buy sports rights, that Turner, now that it's owned by AT&T, is going to have more resources to provide sports rights. Couldn't be more delighted with where we are strategically and the fact that you know we're the only conference in the country that come 2024 is going to have all our rights back, complete control, and we're going to be able to adapt and react and take advantage of this new world media order that's coming in a way others can't. Yeah, uh, the adapting took place by the member institutions of the Pac-12 and abandoning ship. That was the adaptation of what took place over the, the, the years that we've seen. USC and UCLA got a, a great offer and now Oregon and Washington, instead of the Big Ten waiting and sitting back, now's the time to add them. There's no penalty, there's no exit fee for those schools to join the Big Ten starting in 2024. Same goes for Arizona, who has officially applied for membership to the Big 12. It doesn't feel as though the Big 12 is going to announce anything today, uh, unlike what we're going to see in the Big 10 officially, because the Big 12 is looking for the option of announcing all three. They want Arizona, that's their top priority, but Arizona State and Utah are also considering the same move. Um, according to reports with Brett McMurphy, there is sentiment on both athletic programs within Arizona, Arizona State. They want to move together. They don't want to abandon one or the other the 12, Big 12 have zeroed in on the Arizona Wildcats. They want Arizona State to go. I have no idea what they're waiting on if the Big 12 has already said, yeah, go ahead and apply. Same for Utah. Utah was not picking up the phone from the Big 12. That was a report earlier this week. Um, and apparently it was because they didn't want to follow their rival or appear to follow their rival in BYU in joining the conference. Unless you're going independent, which is not the way to go, unless they're waiting on the Big Ten, who has already decided the Pac-12 schools that they want to add. Utah hasn't been mentioned. It's been Cal or Stanford if they wanted to move to 20. Big 12 is looking at Utah. That would allow them to have the four corner schools that they've been eyeing for quite some time, and they can load up. And that's what should happen, and that's what will happen now that Oregon has made the jump. In Washington, they're making the jump to the Big Ten. Craziness, or is it? We've seen this coming. We've also said that it's been a new college football era for years and years, but we still don't have that super conference alliance. That's coming down the road as well, and it feels as though it's going to happen whenever the college football playoff contract, which is right now two years, spoke about this yesterday with Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports, they're going to have to adjust the protocol or rules in place, guidelines, on how they're selecting the automatic bids for the college football playoff. It was a Power Five, where the top four schools from the Power Five, the conference champions, top champions from the Power Five, were the, the top four bids in the college football playoff. Pac-12 is meaningless now. There is no Power Five, it's a Power Four. They'll have to adjust that and the other automatic bid was coming from the top-ranked school from the non-Power 5. Last year, it would have been Tulane. They were ranked 17th. They would have been the 12th seed in the college football playoff. 
there will now be a, another debate because let's rewind a year, a year and a half where the issues with why we could not have a college football playoff expansion sooner is the trust factor. A lot of the other conferences, a lot of the other teams, ADs, presidents, didn't trust the SEC or the Big Ten. And now the SEC and the Big Ten are going to look around and go, yeah, do we need automatic bids? Shouldn't we just have the top-ranked 12 programs in America? That benefits the SEC and Big Ten. They won't give in to that, but with the other rules and regulations that they're setting forth, you'll still have the automatic bids, but now it's as simple as the, the conference champions in the power of four, not five, would get the automatic buy, and they would move on automatically to the second round. I still think they'll add in one qualifier automatic bid for the non-power five, like a two-lane, or potentially the schools that remain in any merger that takes place with what is left in the Pac-12. And for all we know, the, the Apple TV Plus deal, which they met about this morning and nothing was signed, it could be dead. It should be, based on the value of the programs that are abandoning ship instead of sticking with Apple and sticking with the Pac-12 and the West Coast. And then there's Florida State, FSU. They uh, have been very vocal about the fact that they want out of the ACC grant of rights, which runs through 2036. And they want to pay the fine that it would be in order to jump. It's $120 million to get out of the television contract with ESPN for ACC schools. That would be the exit fee. There's also a fee on top of that to get out of the grant of rights, which is agreed upon with every institution in the ACC that they're locked into with uh, 2036 on the mind. They want to be done with this in the next 12 months. More on why they could be making uh, a big mistake and being this vocal, that, that will be coming up later. Um, and I, I think it's, it's mainly stemming from the fact that they need a partner within the ACC. They also need one of these conferences to step up and actually want to add them and Clemson, or is it another school? They haven't had that type of buzz. What they are trying to create is a, a capital or a private equity investment group to fund, they're partnering or trying to partner with a private equity investment group to fund the exit fees that would take place in order to jump. Maybe they just say we'll go independent for a while until things open up. Maybe they have a conference that's working behind the scenes. And again, it, it feels like the SEC is the perfect fit. But the SEC is also entering a media rights deal, a massive one, with ESPN. ESPN already has the rights to air every home game for Florida State. So what's the incentive in order to go after Florida State if you're the SEC, if ESPN says, hey, we, we've already got them, We're, they're not a priority. That could be a concern for the Seminoles, but it's not for Bubba Cunningham, the UNCAD, who said, hey, in uh, Florida State presidents, uh, the trustees, uh, pipe down. Respect the other ACC members. Respect the fact that in 2016, you included, signed this grant of rights through 2036. 
and they're the ones creating the buzz about getting out. And it's not about getting out. It's not about, you know, giving the middle finger to the conference. It's about being vocal while doing so. I agree with what Bubba Cunningham is saying. You can do this behind the scenes without being as forthcoming in the trustees meeting with the school president and making it known that it's not, oh, it's not if, but it's when we're bailing. It's, it's when and where. The key part is the where. I haven't seen anyone report who's currently vetting and who's taking a peek at Florida State. But one thing that they do need to have is another member institution or pairing up with someone else in order to make that jump. Conferences don't want to add one, they want to add two. And if you're sitting around waiting on Notre Dame, it's going to be a long wait because it appears they're getting their deal done too with NBC sooner rather than later. Coming up, Jim Williams jumps into the mix. The very latest involving all the money and the reasons behind Oregon and Washington bailing for the Big Ten. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Welcome back to Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network, uh, covering all things realignment, conference expansion. It, it never ends. It, it's right around this time for the third year in a row. Jim Williams has been covering all things Pac-12, media rights deals, uh, who could leave, who could stay, how they would stay, how the Pac-12 survives, and so much more and following everything that's going on in the other major conferences. Forbes columnist, Zinger columnist, and a great friend of the show and media consultant, Emmy Award winner, Jim Williams joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Jim, good to see you, and what's up? Another busy day. Yesterday's news in college football feels like it might as well be last year's news at this point. What do you make of the, the moves this morning, Oregon and Washington, taking what the Big Ten was offering, which doesn't seem like it's the same amount on the media rights they're going to receive as the other schools within the Big Ten. Uh, it's good to see you, buddy. Um, you're right. This has been like 100 years has gone by since last night. Uh, we had a situation this morning where uh, during a Zoom call, there almost was a signing of grant of rights for the Pac-12 until Oregon gets a phone call where um, the Big Ten decides to up the amount of cash that they needed, and that's an ESPN report, that um, that they got what they needed to, to get them across the finish line uh, and take and have Washington with them, uh, or, you know, that would have been done. So um, it's not, no, it's not even, it's, it's, it's a fraction of what the other schools are getting. It's, it's definitely a cheaper situation. Uh, the initial offering, and I don't know the exact amount, so I'm not going to say what the exact amount is, 
but it wasn't enough for either Oregon or Washington to consider doing it because it seemed like it was not wasn't even enough to cover um, the travel costs of you know you know going from uh, uh, from the Pacific Northwest you know to the Midwest, which is obviously and sometimes to the East Coast. So uh, that was a, a situation. Then we have Arizona last night, as you know, Arizona, the, uh, the Arizona Board of Regents um, gave clearance to Arizona and Arizona State to, uh, uh, to, uh, to go, if they wish, to the Big 12. Arizona uh, was issued a, um, an invitation to join. Um, they have not yet done that. Arizona State um, and Utah are waiting to find out what's going on. We've got Stanford and we've got, uh, we've got Stanford and Cal who still don't know what they're going to be doing. There's Washington State and, uh, and, uh, and Oregon State. And uh, Oregon State, yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, my friend, uh, and now we got a little, uh, the Big 12 playing a little cute here, and that is that. Uh, they've invited, as I said before, Arizona. Arizona has yet to uh, accept that. Uh, they now, according to Bretman Murphy, uh, have decided, okay, uh, we're, we're exploring uh, other options. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. And it's only going to get weirder for the next uh, probably 48 hours or so. The fact that Oregon, being one of the college football brands that you think of, I mean, they're, they're the college football playoff uh, contributor there. Same for Washington. The fact that they're willing to take whatever the, the amount is from the Big Ten, it, isn't that – that indicates exactly where the base floor is for whatever Apple TV Plus was going to be offering as a media rights agreement to the conference. Am I reading that the right way? Yeah, I think the hut and you're right. Uh, it's uh, it was probably around the um, in the twenty three to twenty five million rate. Uh, it's um, you know one of the things that that uh, I know you are aware of, and, and you're you've got a great audience. They're 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 all hip to what's going on. Um, it, making these moves. And since 2010, when things started going this way, there hasn't been a team who's moved from one conference to the other who's won a national championship. The concept of, of Oregon and Washington moving to the, to the Big Ten, to me, you know, it doesn't make it easier for them to get to a national championship. This is just cash grabs. And it may very well be ruining college football, as you and I know, in my own personal opinion. Jim Williams with us on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Arizona is sitting and waiting. The Big 12 seems to be waiting on two more. Arizona State and Utah are the reported schools mm -hmm. that they're targeting right now. Maybe UConn, but it seems like it's that three-pack from the Pac-12. Why mm -hmm. does it appear as though, and I know the report this, this morning was Arizona State and Utah appear to be more interested now in the Big 12 I don't know exactly what that means from where they were, but why the hesitancy from Arizona State and Utah when Arizona has changed its mind in a matter of days? I think Arizona State and Utah have been probably the most vocal two teams to try to keep the pack alive. And uh, they've been out there. Now, I think what they've been doing is saying, all right, fine, we got the media 
uh, update on Tuesday. George Piyakov was the, the, uh, the conference um, you know, president for uh, the Pac-12, was supposed to update them today on the media rights deal, the grant of rights. Uh, this morning, there was uh, a Zoom call early this morning uh, about it. And I think what uh, uh, you know, Arizona State and Utah wanted to do was to be able to say uh, that at the end of the day, you know, they gave it every possible, you know, opportunity to uh, to keep the conference alive. But at the end of the day, they were able to make that happen. Ironically, uh, it was the Big Ten who put the uh, put the nail, if you will, in the coffin by taking Washington and Oregon and announcing it at a time, literally announcing it at a time when they were in the midst of having uh, their their Zoom conference. What do you do, Jim, if you're the Pac-12? What recourse do they have? Um, it depends a great deal on what happens to Arizona State and uh, in Arizona. Uh, if they decide that it makes sense to stay, then you backfill um, and try to get to 10, um, maybe 12. It's, um, you know, what do you want to stay in the conference so bad that uh, – you know, there's a theory that, okay, if you could stay and, and could make enough money that you could get to the playoff easier, right? Um, and it would certainly be easier for for, for Utah to get to uh, the playoff and, and, and uh, I mean, from control and keep it a Power 5 conference for as long as possible. So there's that theory. The other theory is, well, you know, you need stability. You need uh, to go to the Big 12. So... Over the weekend, I assume, in the next 24 to 40 hours, they're going to have to make that decision. It's the pack. The pack, at the end of uh, the 24-25 season, it's still there. You still got Cal, you still got Stanford, you still got Washington State, you still got uh, Oregon State. Um, but, you know, how, what do you do to control? It's kind of like what happened to the Big East, right? Um, you can backfill with a bunch of uh, G5 schools, but you may lose your uh, Power 5 autonomy. Jim, uh, I brought this up in the previous segment. I, I'd love your take on this because you'll know the answer. What's that. the value for What's the value for Apple TV now, given the fact that Oregon and Washington, the top brands, I know Utah is the back-to-back -back champ there in football. Explain to me how the offer remains the same if you're Apple, because right now you're negotiating against yourself and no one has signed it yet. The answer to your question is it doesn't make any sense. So there would have to be another uh, evaluation, I'm sure, as to what it would mean and what it would come up to. Um, let's just play this out for a second. Let's say Oregon and Washington move, but Arizona State and Utah stay. You got Cal and Stanford in there. You got Washington State, Oregon State, and you back them. My guess is you're probably looking at somewhere in the 15-ish range, 15 to maybe maybe 17, maybe they could push it because Apple wants um, Apple wants college sports content, so maybe that's where they go with it. So you uh, you take it back, but it definitely would have to be a totally re um, renegotiated deal. It, it's not like it would um, um, it would be the same amount of money on the on the uh, on the docket. No, it would have to it would have to be renegotiated. 
Jim Williams with us, Forbes and Zinger news columnist, uh, also a, a great media consultant and uh, seven-time Emmy Award-winning producer. Uh, your, your take on what Florida State is doing um, and, and doing it publicly by putting out there that it's, it's not if but when. They've got the trustees doing that. The, the school president is uh, speaking at volume about leaving the ACC. They don't want to, but they'll have to unless they're going to get more in their media rights agreement. What, what would be the plan if they do find the, the money available to reach the exit fees on both the media rights and the grant of rights agreement, which would be substantial, don't you have to also pair up with someone in order to make it two teams leaving like we're seeing Washington and Oregon do, like we saw USC and UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma? Don't you have to find one more partner that feels the same way you do and is willing to, you know, elbow up at the table and say, yeah, we'll be vocal with you too? It seems like they're the lone ranger here, and I don't know if that's a good thing for the Seminoles. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous thing for the Seminoles, but... What, um, what Florida State's doing is they're pushing the envelope. They're going to see, okay, um, if we can make this happen, can we, be, uh, can we do something that no other college football team, or I'm sorry, sports team has done, and that is, you know, break free of a grant of rights on their own and, and become a free agent, at which point in time, um, then, you know, um, if they they're capable of doing it, uh, then you know, would they be uh, offered an opportunity to join a Big Ten or a, a Southeastern Conference? So what they're doing is they're they're pushing all their chips in. Uh, they're certainly not making a lot of friends at the, at the ACC office uh, doing this. Um, and uh, ironically, on a day like today, when we see an Oregon and a Washington make a move. Um, those are two valuable brands, but they're not as valuable brands as, uh, as Florida State. So, um, you know, you, you think from a Florida State standpoint that they're looking at it and going, okay, we just saw two teams move to the Big Ten uh, and cash in, and we're sitting here, you know, under a grant of rights that doesn't leave until 2036. How do we do it? And I think they're trying to, as I say, they're pushing the envelope as best they can uh, and uh, I think uh, the phrase billable hours are probably going to be what's going to be the key here is they're going to have a lot of uh, legal battles along the way to get out. But, you know, Florida State's, uh, they're, they're saying, okay, you know what, somebody's got to do it. Somebody wants to try it. We're going to be the ones that are going to give it a shot. Jim, uh, final two minutes here. Uh, from the ESPN perspective, and I'm mentioning them because logically, at least to me, and I know logic is out the window in, in, in expansion right now, it feels like the SEC is the best fit for Florida State and Clemson. Mm -hmm. But if ESPN already has Florida State locked up until 2036 right. and able to broadcast all of their home games, yes. what's the value in ESPN saying, yeah, well, we'll – we want them in the SEC as opposed to just saying we've already got them at this certain price and they're locked in long term. Well, remember that ESPN does ESPN. Um, the the ACC is where the grants of rights is. So the ACC owns FSU's rights. It's not ESPN. ESPN sub you know ESPN has a broadcast agreement with the ACC and and um, 
and Florida State is a member of the ACC. So ESPN can't move one team from a, one league to the other. Um, the ACC technically owns Florida State's rights. That's why you sign a grant of rights. So um, no contract uh, has ever been signed, no grant of rights contract has ever been signed by a network. What happens is you first negotiate a grant, a grant of rights, and then you're saying to your, you know, to your conference, okay, I'm giving you my ability to televise my games and, and market me and, and do all of the other things that are involved in a grant of rights. And then right. once that's signed, then you're, you're literally giving the conference uh, the uh, opportunity to then go and find your media partner, which in this case is ESPN, to to go ahead and do that. So, and I and I encourage people on Twitter. You can go and get any grant of rights. Uh, it's a it's a legal document that's a uh, that is a f- open document. If you want the grant of rights to the ACC, you can go and and search it on Google and download it, so you can actually read it yourself. But that's how it works. So that's why follow Jim why Williams you. on social at JW Media DC. Jim, you're the best. Appreciate the insight as always. Very good at what you do. We'll have you on again soon. Coming up, Dave McGinnis, Coach Mack, joins us live from 6th and Peabody. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The Sixth and P Grand Prix happening throughout the afternoon behind me. The main celebrity race takes place at, well, it's coming up in about an hour and a half from right now. Looking forward to that. Albert Hainsworth will join us coming up around that time. Plus, Tim Brando joins us in a little under an hour. Right now, we say hello to Coach Mack. Dave McGinnis, former NFL head coach. Uh, term broadcaster with the Tennessee Titans radio network. Uh, one of the best guys all around, and he knows ball. Mac, how are you? Doing good, Hut. Thanks for having me on. When you have Big Albert on, tell him Coach Mac said hello. That's cool. I, I will. I will. I'll tell every guest because Mac knows everybody. I'll say you say hello. Hey, <laughs> there you craziness go. <laughs> in college football, and we're, we're, gear, we're finally gearing up for the NFL season. It's a hurry up and wait status for me right now because you know as August gets here I like to joke August 31st takes a while to roll around because I'm anticipating the regular season Um, how much does the preseason preseason games mean for NFL coaches right now compared to what we saw over the last decade or so well it means it means a whole lot hut first of all because you've only got three of them now and that's why you're seeing a preponderance now of these uh, joint practices because for, for coaches to be able to evaluate, sooner or later, if you're evaluating a young player in this league or you're trying to put it, you need to find out how guys react under pressure. And sooner or later, they get pretty complacent and they get pretty used to working against each other. So you've got to put them under some pressure. And the more pressure situations you can put them into before you have to make a decision, the better off you are. So it, it's extremely, extremely important 
you will see different coaches, uh, you know, approaching them different ways as far as how they play. The other thing, Hut, too, to remember now is there is now a, a, a full open date for everybody, you know, after the last preseason game before you even start the week of preparation, you know, for your first regular season game. So the schedule like that has changed quite a bit. And so any of the extra time that you can have, and it's also vitally important because now we have 16 players on the practice squad. When I first started coaching in this league, you had five practice squad players that were restricted by being in the league two years or less. Now it's a completely different world. So you need more evaluation time. So the answer to your question, it's ex they're extremely important. Yes, and then you also get a couple of joint practices where the vets are can play and you can actually handle the reps and, and how they go about doing that. You, you can control it, unlike a preseason match, if you can keep guys healthy or healthier, I should say, as, as best as possible. Um, you, you've been out at, at camp every day here for the Titans. Tell me about DeAndre Hopkins. What have you noticed from him jumping into the mix late in the offseason and uh, the rapport that he's building with, with Ryan Tannehill and Traylon Burks, the second-year wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, it makes a huge difference, you know, it, it, when you add a real veteran player to any position, but especially nowadays as, as open as the, as the league is offensively. When you, when you add someone like that to him, the first thing it does is, is it's invaluable for the young receivers both in the room and on the field. And the other thing it does, Hut, is it declares positions for everybody now. Because DeAndre Hopkins can do a lot of things, and you can move him in a lot of different areas. But it helps define roles for other people. And now other people don't have to, uh, you know, jump into roles that they may not be suited for, you know, just because of experience. You can't manufacture experience in any profession, especially in this league. But a, a guy of that stature, uh, what he's done, it's been an immediate difference. You can see the immediate, immediate difference. It's really good for the defense, too, uh, especially for the, the young defensive backs that are, that are going to be extremely important this year. Uh, Christian Fulton, the defensive back, that it's a major year for him this year for his contract uh, to be able to go against Hopkins just on the, in the one-on-one. But it's been nothing but a success so far, Hutt. Coach Mack, Dave McGinnis with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. How, how happy are the NFL coaches in the league right now compared to the time they may have spent in college football? Is, is college football coaching as difficult as it's ever been, Mack? Uh, you know, first of all, let's start out with this, Hut. Salaries for college football coaches, especially Power Five, are, are as good or better than they are in the NFL. And they earn every penny of it because it's, it's, it's damn near impossible now, uh, especially, you know, with the transfer portal, uh, with NILs, with people being able to leave and come in and, and, and go, even though they've tried to restrict it some, uh, you're constantly recruiting. It's a constant recruitment now. And then, you know, trying to keep any continuity together at all. I mean, look, I coached in major college for 13 years before I got into the National Football League, and I'm thankful that I'm not coaching in college anymore because the 38 straight years now that I've been in the NFL, I have watched college football evolve to the point as to where it's making it really, really hard uh, you know, on coaches for a lot of different reasons. Uh, just, let's just talk about the transfer portal real quick. You know, now you, you, your smaller schools that are, are taking players out of high school and developing them for two years, they get them developed 
well, then they can transfer to a, to a bigger place. And basically, you know, what the Power Five schools have now is a farm system because it's easier to evaluate a 19 and a 20-year-old than it is a 17 and an 18-year-old just because they're physically going to mature more. So, it, it look, I've got a lot of friends that are coaching in major college football. And as I say, the only thing that makes it worthwhile is they've got the salaries up now as to where they're being paid commensurate with what's going on in the league. But their life that they're leading is really hard. Pro Football Hall of Fame is uh, induction ceremony coming up uh, tomorrow uh, from Canton. Uh, before I, I get your thoughts on some of the inductees uh, for the class of 23, Mac, uh, last night's game, I didn't pay much attention to it, but I did see where the, the lights went out at the Hall of Fame game. And then the showers didn't work for the teams. Have you uh, had some horror stories in the past about some stadiums you've been to on the road or maybe at home where things didn't go as well, planned? But I've been in the league long enough to have played in some really old stadiums, the old Cleveland Stadium, the old New England Stadium. I, I was in the original, I played in the original Baltimore Colts Stadium at Baltimore, the last one they had there. And you talk about antiquated. And yes, I, I've, I've had plenty of that before. I've coached in that Hall of Fame game for six times, but I have never, I, I know that they've, they've improved those facilities a lot, but you're right. When the when the when the light bank went out, of course we've had a light we've had a light issue in a Super Bowl. Do you remember that one right. with the with the with the Ravens and the 49ers? But this one, uh, the worst thing about this one was it was a 20 minute delay. But when the showers don't work, now I'm just telling you that's a rough bus ride for both teams when the showers don't work. Yeah, the, the shower pills don't work either. Uh, so yeah, that was that was rough. <laughs> Uh, Mac, uh, you mentioned your time in, in college um, uh, coaching and, and playing, but coaching. And your pass crossed with Don Coriel, uh, innovator on the offensive side of the football, and he's headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Explain how the pass crossed, and you're a defensive-minded guy. He's innovative on offense, and you were able to see how it all worked. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he was the head coach there at the, the St. Louis Cardinals. They trained at Lindenwood College. There in Lindenwood, Missouri. I was coaching at the University of Missouri and had a very good friend on the, on the staff named Dick Jameson that, that was one of his offensive coaches. Uh, you know, uh, Emmett Thomas was, was coaching there that I knew also very well. Joe Gibbs was on that staff, uh, Jim Hannafin. So I would go to their training camp every year there, and they would, you know, allow me to come into their meeting rooms. And Don Coriel was so innovative with what he did offensively I mean, I would just sit there and take notes and just like, wow, and then watch him practice because, the, you know, the, the, the screen game and the motion game and those types of things, I mean, he was, he was so, so innovative. You know, one of the, well, the only head coach that's ever won 100 games as an NFL coach and as a collegiate coach, uh, it, was, it was so interesting. It gave me a huge leg up as a young coach just being able to, to be in that much of an advanced room and watch those guys coach and work. And, and, and coach Coriel always treated me very, very well there at Lindenwood. And uh, I mean, very well-deserved honor to go into the hall of fame. And you, you know, you hear people like Dan Fout saying, I would not have ever been who I am without Don Coriel. And then, you know, I, I was on a, a staff there at Missouri with Kellen Winslow when, you know, when Kellen Winslow, and then of course went into that, that, the, with with Coriel there at, at the Chargers and had at, you know the the success they had offensively. I mean it, it's his it's history in the National Football League and Don Coriel 
very deservedly so, and it made me very happy to see him go in, even though it, it is posthumously, uh, it, it is a well-deserved honor. You coached against many of the, the modern era inductees as well, and when you have an island named after you, you're, you're, for, you're going in. Uh, Darrell uh, Rivas, Rivas Island, uh, one of a kind whenever he was on the field. I saw today where the NFL Network had Aeneas Williams there commenting on that. Of course, I coached Aeneas, you know, for for his years there. At uh, you know, I was a uh, coordinator and a head coach with Aeneas Williams, who's a Hall of Fame corner. Only shut down corner I've ever, you know, you hear that 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 term thrown around a lot, Hunt, but there's very few of them that have ever really done it like that. Aeneas is one of them, and Darrell Rivas was the other. You know, when Bill Belichick says that. Darrell Rivas was the least targeted corner that he ever played against. That's high praise because you're talking about, you're talking about, you know, uh, high praise with Tom Brady and they just stayed away from it. Uh, as I said, I was really fortunate to have coached Aeneas Williams and as a coordinator, knowing how that helps you to use that. But uh, in his heyday, Darrell Rivas was a true, true shut down corner and very much deserves to be in the hall of fame. And the teams that I, that I was on our offensive coaches, they knew exactly where he was. And most of the time, Hutt, they weren't throwing it over there. No final thing for you uh, on this, um, Joe Thomas longevity. I mean, the guy just played play after play after play. We were actually in attendance uh, with, with uh, Titans ready on the road in Cleveland when he got hurt and he started missing time, missing plays. And what an excellent offensive tackle in Cleveland. Well, yeah, I mean, legendary. And, and you're right, Hutt. You were on Titans Radio with us then. We were there. and We kind of saw the end of an era. But the consecutive starts, and here's the other thing that was so impressive to me about Joe Thomas was he was not on good football teams. But he, first of all, he was very loyal to the, to the organization and to the city, and, but he stayed there. But just his longevity and his – and, and the fact that he played at such a high level on some teams that weren't good but continued to work at it, I mean, what a, what a pro. And, and again, he, he's a real credit to what a true professional is. Uh, and as I say, when these kind of guys, of course, anybody that's up for the Hall of Fame, I've been doing this for 38 straight years in the league, so you know, I know who most of these guys are. I know a lot of the voters. It's not an easy job. But when you've got a guy like that, it's not necessarily about the number of games he's won or uh, Super Bowls that he's won. It's what he meant to his team, his organization, his city, and the league when he was in it. Joe Thomas exemplifies all of that, Hunt. About a minute and a half left, Mac. Uh, I'll get your take because you've certainly dealt with hard knocks and HBO. You know, there, were, there was talk a month or so ago about the Jets being uncooperative. Uh, with, uh, with with that crew, how how easy has it been for you in your in your time and your experience working with HBO and Hard Knocks? Well, look for full disclosure. I talked to Shannon Furman about that. You know, Shannon Furman is is the producer of Hard Knocks. Has been doing it for you know multiple multiple years. She was a producer for us there at the Rams when we made our move, and not only not only during training camp with the various moves in training camp, she stayed with us all year. Her crew is excellent. I talked to Shannon and both of her and some of her crew members uh, a week ago. And the, what is happening at the Jets, and I knew it would happen, once, once they're in there and you, you figure out how professional they are and what they are doing, and you, you figure out that, first of all, they're not there to try to get you in any way and they're not there to try to expose anything, 
I mean, they are that they are NFL. They're NFL films, and so they're just just there to portray what's going on. Uh, I, our 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 experience with them was really good, and I tell anybody, and I, a lot of people call and ask me about that. But you get Shannon Furman and her crew; they are so professional that it's good, and I think that's what the Jets are finding. Coach Dave McGinnis has been our guest. Mac, you're the absolute best. We'll catch up this weekend. Thank you. But always, always glad to be on with you and the OutKick people. See you, man. Yeah, man. See you. Coach Mack, the best. Coming up, the very latest across college football, the landscape changing once again. And Florida State, are they overplaying their hand, at least vocally and publicly? That's next. <laughs>